Are you tired of sitting on your therapist's couch wondering when you are going to be ever be ready to start taking some action on the dreams and goals you have for your life? Or have you been trying to take action on your life and feeling stuck and wondering if maybe it is time for you to visit a therapist? How do you know if you need a therapist, a coach, or both? Well, there's a lot to that question. So today I'm going to unpack that with licensed marriage and family therapist, Liz Pesserin. Stay tuned to learn more about which might be best for you. Welcome to the Starting Over Stronger Show, where you'll find help and hope for your divorce survival and recovery. Divorce well, live well. Welcome back to the Starting Over Stronger Show. We are here today with another licensed marriage family therapist who's going to be sharing one side of a coin, and I'm going to probably share more from the other side as a coach. We're going to be talking about the difference between therapy and coaching. Who needs one? Who needs the other? Who needs both? What, what even is therapy versus coaching? What are the goals? And how does that look for different people in different situations? So thank you, Liz Pesseran, for being here. Thank Glad you. to have you. Yeah, I'm so happy to be here. Tell us a little bit about more about you. Yeah. So I am a licensed marriage and family therapist, and I also am a certified life coach as well. And I really have spent my career leaving toxic environment after toxic environment, trying to find um, balance and peace, both in the mental health world and in my career and also in my personal life. And so I really help women all around the world walk away from what is not serving them and really step into what feels aligned and what feels really good for them. And so I've got a business all around that. And I do both coaching and therapy and they are different. And yet Mm -hmm. there is crossover and I'm based in beautiful Tennessee and I've you know, spent my life kind of in many different states and I've enjoyed the travels, but yeah, that's a little bit about me. Awesome. Well, thank you. And and thank you for the work that you do to help people change their lives for the better, whether we call it therapy or coaching, that's what it's all about, right? (laughs) Right. Exactly. You know, I know that as a coach myself, I hear people um, and I, and I see it in, in underlying ways in, in other times um, kind of, I think view coaching, life coaching as sort of trendy, uh, indulgent, unnecessary, you know, maybe even, you know, unskilled or uncredentialed practitioners who can give a negative impression of the practice itself. What are your thoughts on that type of mentality about coaching? Such a good question because I will be the first to raise my hand and say, I judged coaches too. When I had spent, (laughs) I'm not that way anymore, but I was that way at one point in time. You know, I spent over a decade building my professional career, going to graduate school, studying my butt off, doing all the hoops to have that formal psychological training. Mm -hmm. However, Once I realized there was this beautiful world of coaching and there was so much freedom among it, it allowed just 
an expansion for me. It allowed me to see that, wow, there's a different modality, a different angle that it doesn't have to be um, so negative. It doesn't have to be judged. However, because it isn't a regulated industry, you can get those wonky people, right? Just like Mm -hmm. any industry though. And I think that's kind of unfortunate because even with all the training in psychology that I have, there are still wonky therapists that you're thinking, how in the world have you been doing this for so long? And so when I was able to tap into the coaching world, it completely just totally changed my view because Mm -hmm. I recognized how powerful it could be how each individual's experience that they can come in and bring can transform people's lives. And it can be so serving and helpful. Um, And it doesn't have to be so clinical and um, controlled and Mm -hmm. separate, which therapy is in a lot of ways. So that's a great explanation. And I think I like the fact that you said clinical and controlled. I think I absolutely, my life would not be where it is today without therapy. So I have a very high opinion of therapy, but I also have a very cautious outlook on it now because I have seen in my own situation and in many of my clients' situations where they're working with a therapist for years on end, they're not making progress, there are no targets, there are no goals. It's just talk therapy, throw your money into the bowl and let's sit here and talk for an hour about whatever you want to talk about. It's like paying somebody to be your friend. And, and, you know, that sounds terrible, but, you know, so my point being, you can take someone who's a licensed professional, who's operating in a clinical setting with controls and, and all these parameters in place and still not have the outcome that you need in your life versus you could hire somebody that's a coach that doesn't maybe even have a certification as a coach, which is the only regulation for that, for that industry at this point, you know, and, and yet that person, because maybe of their own life circumstances, their personality, whatever it is that drives them to be a coach may be able to help you make strides in your life that you didn't make in 10 years with a therapist. So it's such a closed-minded view to think that a therapist is inherently going to be better at getting you to your end result, desired end result, than a coach just simply because of training rather than looking at the bigger picture of what is therapy, what is the goal of therapy, coaching, same thing, you know, and really understanding the personalities of who you're working with and why you're working with them. So I guess let's go back to that and kind of define, um, since you're a therapist and I'm not, define for me what is therapy in, in, yeah. in when you compare that with coaching. Yes. And I love everything you said. I was like nodding my head the whole time. Um, <laughs> so, so I really define therapy as clinical, formal treatment. So if you have a psychiatric or mental health diagnosis, you can only get that from a licensed psychologist, psychiatrist, or a marriage and family therapist, somebody who is licensed in the medical profession Mm -hmm. and treatment can coincide with therapy. 
that would now, if you are really doing treatment, then you should have goals. You should have timelines. You should have um, more structure around it. Like if you're doing cognitive behavioral therapy or dialectical behavioral therapy, because you've been diagnosed with a personality disorder, there's a lot of structure to it. There's also a lot of structure of how you interact with your therapist um, and how your therapist is going to interact with you. It's what I consider the most unique relationship you'll ever have in your lifetime because it's completely one-sided. It's all about the client and hardly anything about the therapist. You can go to therapy for years and not know a single thing about your therapist, which is wild, right? Like to think about that, that's so rare Mm -hmm. and that you are paying purely for everything to be about you. And ultimately that therapist should be providing everything for you, for your transformation, for your healing, for your treatment, Mm -hmm. where as in, you know, so for me, a lot of times, if you're going to be going to therapy, it's to work on past traumas, past or current diagnoses. You're working in the root. Um, and I've always described like the kind of the comparison is if you are a big, beautiful oak tree, I'm originally from Northern California where there's big, beautiful oaks and they are the trees that have the deepest roots in the world. Mm -hmm. And if you're really doing that deep past regressive work, a lot of times that needs to happen in therapy, especially if you've had post-traumatic stress, right? Something that's going to trigger you that you can spin out of control. It can be very dangerous and scary. Mm -hmm. Or if you're high risk, like suicide ideation or severe depression, things like that. That is the deep rooted work that should be occurring in therapy. Again, treatment focused. Whereas if you think of the blossoming leaves in the season of the tree on the top, that's coaching. That's the future. That's the season of life that can kind of shift and change. It's shorter term. The roots are deep, right? Those don't change the same way. They take a lot longer. It's slower but the blossoms change every season. The tree changes every season. And so I think of coaching that way. It's shorter term. Usually Mm -hmm. it's very focused. It often has um, really future focused transformation and you're not treating significant mental illness. And that is really how I define the two is that treatment of the mental illness and diagnosis and trauma past versus present and future. However, you can absolutely see a coach, I'll put a big asterisk with this, who works on your past experience, your past traumas, your abuse, things like that, if that's their niche and their specialty. But I do believe that there is a fine line where you can get support in that space as long as you're not in a really dark, um, dangerous personal space mentally. Does that make yeah. sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, that's kind of how I personally describe it. Um, and I, and I really do think the psychology stuff is so clinical, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. I say all this, and then it's turning more mainstream mental Mm -hmm. health therapy is more mainstream. So people are going to therapists that don't necessarily have clinical diagnoses. They just really need help because life's hard and Mm -hmm. they're going through, you know, a struggle, a divorce, a a breakup or, or losing a job and they need to work with about their relationships with their parents. So they don't have a diagnosis. And I Mm -hmm. think that's the cycle that you were talking about where you start going to therapy and you just go and go and go because you don't have a clear reason why or a clear desired outcome. Like, what are we here for? Um, 
And I would like to think that if you are with a really great therapist, they're going to push you to give you an outcome. In my mind, a therapist should always be working to get out of a job. Like you should ultimately be working to lose clients. (laughs) That's what you want them to be super independent um, and not need you. Um, But I absolutely have, I know therapists that have clients for 20 years. I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> yeah. wow, yeah. what a, what a relationship that must be. Um, right. and I do, I do have some clients on my caseload that I've had come in and out over the years. Mm-hmm. So different struggles arise. And I think that's understandable, but just yeah. like the constant long-term, I think is really unnecessary and it's a disadvantage to the client. Yeah. And I think it can even be unhealthy because especially mm-hmm. if there's codependency issues going exactly. on and now you're just codependent on the therapist and they're complicit in that, that you know, when would that end? When, when will there be any end to that? You know, and I, I love the tree analogy. Um, I'm super outdoorsy. So I love that. Um, in fact, that was going to be one of my questions for you is if you have any analogies that you use to help people understand the different roles of a therapist and a coach. I actually have heard of another one, but the one I mostly use is more of a transportation related one. Um, just thinking of life as a road trip and the therapist as as the mechanic or roadside assistance kind of role. Okay. Whereas the coach is like the tour guide, you know, the map, the the one that's showing you the way, you know, to get where you're going. Um, the mechanic or the roadside assistance is the person that is helping you understand why you're stuck and yeah. you know what's going, what's gone wrong. You know, obviously a lot of therapy is understanding the present through the lens of the past, whereas mm that may or may not come into play with coaching. Like you said, it could maybe with some coaches, there would be some uh, talk of how our childhood or, you know, our wounding from our upbringing may have affected decisions that are affecting us today, but, but it's mostly focused on action and manifesting the future that you desire by focusing on the present and what you can do today to take the steps you need to, to get where you want to go. So it's really just, I think like exploration versus action is, is one way that I describe it. And, and both are important. Oh yeah. And they have their time and place. You know, I think it really depends on where you're at in your life. Something Mm -hmm. I learned, I had a client who we started out coaching and I quickly realized, oh, we're not ready. Like we, you have to be in a space of readiness to move and take that action. What I recognized pretty quickly was we need to, we need to solve the the past and really clear up, like clean the closet for a lack Mm -hmm. of a better word of let's pause, let's reevaluate because right now we're not able to move right now. We're too stuck. And I love the mechanic and car analogy. That's a great one as well. And we made that shift and I was able to, you know, because I can go in and out. Um, and I do things a little differently, but, um, it was good to be able to recognize that. And I hope, you know, therapists and coaches one way or another are able to recognize that and catch when a client is ready to move and push them to move. Like, don't let them sit there and like wallow in that space anymore yeah. versus a client who is trying to, and it's, we're forcing it. We're not ready. We're not there quite yet. Let's do the inner work a little farther. 
Yeah. I think one big indicator of that, that I have seen, because I've had coaching clients before that I have had to recommend therapy for, and, and almost kind of let's pull back a little way, a little while and, you know, go see this therapist because when you're stuck in a victim mentality, you can't, you're, you're uncoachable. Nobody can coach you because until you understand that it's your own thoughts that are preventing your progress, you won't take any different steps. You'll just have a problem for every solution, you know? Exactly. And so um, I think that's what, that's been the biggest indicator for me when I'm trying to coach somebody and I can't break through their victim mentality, then I, I, I will at least invite them to consider therapy in addition to coaching. But uh, sometimes there's been an incident or two where I just, I just knew we couldn't do anything until they, they resolved that. So, you know, we shifted that, but, but, you know, I mean, I think that's, that's really what I want people to get today out of this is understanding that there is a difference between therapy and coaching and you might need therapy and you might need coaching and you might need both. So let's talk a little bit about that. Um, you know, I think, like I said, sometimes coaching isn't possible because the client isn't coachable. And so they need to go back into therapy to be able to progress with coaching. Other times, I think they have been in therapy for so long. I know this was me at one point. They need to get off the couch and work with a coach and, you know, help somebody that will help them understand how to shift their mindset and stop thinking about um, thinking about thinking, you know what I mean? And just start thinking about doing and what, what am I going to do differently and how am I going to think differently about things? Um, obviously sometimes we, we need both, um, concurrently. So what would you say this looks like for you most of the time in determining whether they need one, the other, or both? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, like I had mentioned, you know, therapy, again, if you, like you said too, if you're frozen, if you're really in that victim headspace, you're not able to take action. You're always finding an excuse or always finding a reason to block yourself. Um, then we need to go to therapy and we need to process that. And if you are still maybe doing that sometimes, but not all the time, you're still kind of able to make movement. That could be a really great place to invite a coach in to kind of get you moving and can move the flow and juices in your body and your mind while still doing some work with a therapist. I think that's where you can co-currently work or in two parts of your life. So maybe there's a lot of blocking going on in uh, you know, your marriage where therapy and uh, specifically marriage therapy is where we need to go. But then say parenting and your business or something like that, you're feeling stuck in, but you are ready to take action. So I've had coaches in different parts of my life for different things, but Mm -hmm. I agree. I needed a coach after I'd been in therapy for so long. And I felt like I was just spinning my wheels with the same thing. And I remember it came to a point where I was going to my therapy session and I'm like, okay, I'm paying a lot of money for this. You know, it was like out of pocket. My insurance didn't cover it. And I was like, what are we going to talk about? What's my problem today? And I was like, Ooh, that gave me a really good wake up call because you shouldn't be going to therapy wondering what your problem is today, because there might like, don't create a problem where there isn't one, right? If you don't have one, 
that's okay. Now there are times where I was resistant and I was like, oh, I don't want to talk to her today. Or I don't know what we're going to talk about because I didn't want to face it. That's different. When I really Mm -hmm. was feeling great and I had this appointment and I had no clue what to say because I was just doing really well, or I felt like it was the same stuff we were repeating over and over and over again. Then I was like, time to, time to shift it and time to find somebody who's going to give me a totally different lens. And when I hired a coach, it was so profoundly different for me because I had somebody who we had just a different relationship. Again, not as clinical, much more flow, um, really challenging, uh, immediately gave me action items, homework, like all these really juicy things to work on. And I immediately saw movement. Mm-hmm. So like I like I personally believe there's a time and a place for each one when you really find yourself having that confusion of, I, I still feel like I need to do some inner work, but I also really want to make some movement in this thing. That's when you can have both. Um, but coaches are, if you're ready to just fly and you're ready to be challenged, I really feel like coaches have challenged me in a really great way, mm-hmm. can push me, um, but I was ready for it. And yeah. I knew I needed it, even when I felt uncomfortable. Yeah, I there was a there was a root in me that was like, "You've got this, Liz. You're okay. This is good." Um, and then other times I was a, a total wreck, and I was just I needed the couch, you know. So yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I, I hope that it kind of explains just yeah. the differences. Absolutely. Are you getting the support you need as you divorce or face the possibility of divorce? Did you know that for just $55 a month, you can be a part of a one hour weekly support group call of people just like you? Some haven't even filed yet, but they know the marriage is not sustainable or healthy. Some were served papers they didn't want. Others are feeling empowered that they finally took the reins of their life and hired an attorney and a divorce coach to help them navigate the uncertain waters of divorce. All of them are facing fear, grief, loss, confusion, and pain, and they're finding help and hope in a Starting Over Stronger support group. You can get registered today for a group at startingoverstronger.com slash groups and start this week in getting the help you need to divorce well and then live well. Remember, divorce is hard. Life after doesn't have to be, but the support you get now is what makes the difference. Another analogy that I've heard, I don't use it as much because I'm not super sports minded, but I'm, some Mm -hmm. people are. And, and another way to look at uh, the difference is, is in the sports analogy of, you know, as a player, in the game of life, you know, you, you have a, maybe need an, a physical therapist um, for or a trainer, you know, somebody that prepares you and really helps you to be ready for the game. And then the coach is the one that's out there, you know, challenging you, you know, directing you, maybe, you know, giving you advice, but uh, otherwise really truly just helping you oversee your performance in the game and what that should look like. And so that's, that's another analogy that I've, that I've heard. And, and I think what's, what's important to note is that either 
a, a therapist or a coach, obviously, like I, like I said, we both have the same passion for helping people, supporting them, helping them to maybe see things differently, to shift their perspective, to understand a situation in a different way than they have. And, you know, the truth is that a lot of times we lean on our friends and family for that, but that can be good or it can be it can be harmful. And the ways that that can be harmful is that simply your friends and family are biased. They love you. They want to help you. They don't want to hurt your feelings. So they're, they may not be a hundred percent honest with you sometimes as a result, they want to protect your feelings and, and, you know, maybe they just want to be your mom or your sister or your friend and not your therapist or your coach, you know? So sometimes you, you go and seek that paid professional help because you want to preserve the integrity of those interpersonal relationships and not let it be clouded by your, your need, you know, your emotional or mental need as you go through major life transitions like divorce. And often, you know, especially with divorce, those friends and family members don't have firsthand experience. They've never been through a divorce of their own. So even if they do give you advice and they really love you and they mean well, they might be actually hindering or harming your outcome of your divorce. And obviously, if they've been in your family for a long time, they may even have divided loyalties with your soon-to-be ex and not want to say anything because they're not, you know, I mean, he's been like a son or like a daughter to, you know? Yeah. So there's a lot of things in play when we think about our friends and family as our support people, certainly we all need friends and family, but just think about those factors when you're, you're going through some kind of a major transition like divorce or job loss or, or what have you that, that, you know, how hard do you want to lean on those people and, and where does it make sense to shift away from that kind of interpersonal support to more of a professional support role? Yeah. Having objectivity, like having somebody who doesn't know the depth of the relationship from an interpersonal perspective, like they don't have an opinion, right? Um, They're only hearing from you and assessing based on your information and their training and stuff. But they're not, like you said, loyalties, opinions, past stories, past belief systems. Like if you're religious, you don't believe in divorce, or if you had a divorce and it was a very traumatic one, and then you're watching a friend get divorced, you might be, you know, that friend is feeling like tons of trauma being reflected onto them. And, and so we all want to lean on our friends and we all need to lean on our friends. But I definitely believe, especially when you're going through something really big, like a divorce, losing a job, moving, whatever it might be, that's big in your life that you professionally seek support that does not have to do with friends and family, because there's going to be a clouded lens no matter which friend or family member you're talking to, they can only be so objective for you. And they're going to give you advice based on their feelings about you and their feelings about the situation and their own past experience. They're going to be personally biased. Whereas if you are seeking a coach or a therapist, they're going to be asking you challenging questions that you never even thought of that. They don't know like the history. (laughs) They don't know, you know, about your sex life or what's worked or what hasn't. And they are assessing. (laughs) things. And it gives you, I I think a lot of safety and relief 
when you're able to just be really authentic. I had a client yesterday and I, that's why I talked about sex life. Cause that was what we discussed. And she's like, mm-hmm. I could never say this with my friends. I was like, good. Like, that's what I'm here for is a space where we can talk this out very matter of fact in, in no judgment on, oh my gosh, like he hasn't done this to her, you know, like all those thoughts and feelings, but mm-hmm. instead be like, okay, this is what I was missing out on. This is what I was needing. Now I know what my needs were, what his were, where I was lacking. And then you can be so much more objective in your interaction and your next steps and what you choose to do with that information. I feel like it's a lot more empowering ultimately Mm -hmm. for you. Yeah. And, you know, on the friends and family note, I mean, that we've kind of presented one side of the coin where you have healthy friends and family that, you know, you just don't want to overburden. We have to look at it also from the other side of that coin, which is that you may have friends and family members that are toxic and yeah. maybe they're, they're uncaring or unkind in the way that they support you. Maybe, and I say support loosely, obviously, but you know, when you take your problems to them, do they minimize your feelings? Do they tell you, you shouldn't feel this or that? Do they tell you what to do? Do -hmm. they really truly honor you as a person and the thoughts and feelings that you have? And if not, that's, that's definitely not somewhere that you want to go is when you're going through something as major as a divorce, because, the judgment is already heavy on people going through divorce, even yeah. by well-intentioned and well-meaning friends and family who will say things like, well, did you guys go to therapy? Did you try this? Did you try that? You know, are you sure you want to do this? You know, they start throwing around terms like broken families, you know, <laughs> obviously oh, we my talking gosh. about yeah. divorce if we weren't already <laughs> a broken family. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm giving the largest eye roll. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, so be cautious yeah. that, you know, good friends and family and bad friends and family. And I use good and bad loosely in, you know, and, and, by that meaning, obviously, whether or not they are good for you or or not so good for you, um, that there's just a lot to think about around that with regard to getting the support that you need. So, uh, yeah, other than I, that, I'm kind of curious what your thoughts are on maybe sort of knowing um, if knowing you need a coach, knowing you need a therapist. Um, I know for me as a coach, when I'm talking with somebody about whether or not, you know, they want to work with me as a coach, I'm kind of looking for, is this person ready? Yes, they're struggling, but are they ready to take the next steps in their life? You know, are they ready to file for divorce? Are they still deciding if they're wanting to file for divorce? Are they ready to do what it takes to advocate well for themselves during divorce? Or are they still dragging their feet on everything. And like you said, getting, getting in their own way, blocking themselves. What are some of the things that you're looking for? I mean, I guess a lot of times with therapy, it's kind of, you know, they make the appointment and and you're just there to serve their needs. So you're not necessarily determining whether or not they're a good candidate for therapy, but what are your thoughts on, on that? Actually, I do determine if they're a good fit for me as a therapist Um, because as a private practice therapist, I I don't deal with uh, addiction. Um, I don't feel comfortable dealing with certain um, profiles that someone might have, certain diagnoses, especially if you need like certain treatments, specialized treatments that I'm not trained in. Um, So I absolutely 
like interview you as much as you're interviewing me Okay, (laughs) because I think it's really important. I, I do believe, you know, some of the most sacred relationships and transformative relationships you'll have in your life are ones with coaches and therapists. And so since it's such an important relationship that can truly transform your life for the better or not, you want to have it be a good fit. You don't want just an okay therapist. And there's a million magical, wonderful people that can provide service for you. And they might even be an expert in what you need, but do you have a connection with them? Mm -hmm. And so I always tell prospective clients like first session, when I, you know, read over their profile and I'm like, okay, I can at least meet with them. I tell them exactly this. I say, it's going to take a few sessions for sure to see if we really like each other and if we vibe. But if you get a feeling today that this is not a good fit, I honor and respect that. And I wish you the best and tell me we can break up. Like I will give you language to break up with me at (laughs) any time. And I will help you find somebody else because you're doing this work. You're paying for this work. You want to see results. You want transformation. Last thing you want to do is get stuck in a loophole with just an okay therapist, which I've been stuck in. Like I know a zillion and one therapist and even I've gotten stuck in this loophole of hiring and coaches too, where I've hired people where I think they're good, or it's not that they're not good, but I think they're a good fit. Mm -hmm. And then I soon find out, "Mm, no, I don't know. It's okay. And it's just kind of, eh. And if you, if it's not like a hell yes. And a deep, wow, she gets me. Oh my Mm -hmm. gosh. Every session I'm mind blown. Like, uh, like she can completely understand and see me for who I am. If it's not that, then go find someone else. Um, And if you need help and you, it doesn't mean you have to work with me, but message me and I'll help you find somebody at any time. Um, Because it's, in my opinion, so critical. You find the right coach and right therapist, but I went on a tangent there, but to come back to just answer your question of, of what I'm looking for and when therapists or when clients are coming to me, I really am seeing, you know, what are their presenting problems? How is it showing up in their life? And then what would be the underlayer cause? So usually like if you're talking about marriage and divorce, communication is the number one thing, right? They just, we just don't communicate. Okay. Like every single person says that, that means absolutely nothing to me. Let's talk about how is that being presented in your life every day? Does it have to do with your worth? Do you feel unworthy? Does it have to do with feeling abandoned? Does it have to be related to shame, uh, manipulation, gaslighting? What else is kind of rooted underneath that that I'm really looking for? Um, and and then we, I personally set up a client plan and we create it together. Like, this is what we're going to work towards. How does this feel for you? You know, what kinds of things come up for you? Is this scary? Is this triggering? Um, And we decide what kind of modalities of treatment we're going to utilize. So that's kind of what I'm looking for. I I don't know if that totally answers your question, but there's a lot of nuances in each individual person that comes in. But if you're searching for a therapist, do not settle, (laughs) do not settle. Take the time, even if it's painstaking to find the right person. And oftentimes it is because you have to go and like, divulge your deepest self to these strangers 
and you're like, I don't know what they think of me. You know, you have no idea what they're thinking. Sometimes they're writing notes and their glasses are at the end of their nose. And you're like, oh God, they're so judgy. <laughs> if, they, if you feel that way, you need to go with someone else, but you know, um, it takes some time. Yeah. So give yourself, give yourself grace. If you're having to kind of go through a few therapists before you find the right fit. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so kind of the bottom line for me on this conversation, I think, is just that while there might appear to be similarities between therapy and coaching, and certainly in many ways, there are a lot of similarities, I think that they they each have their own unique basis. Um, they're going to be different experiences, and therefore, the outcomes are going to be different. And so, as, as a coach, I will say... I don't really serve those in need of mental health care versus, you know, as a therapist, obviously you do, whether or not they need coaching for achieving their goals at this point in time or not. Um, But for me, coaching and the clients that I serve, it's about focusing on today forward, you know, right. and, and especially when it's divorce that we're talking about, obviously exactly. there's a goal, there's a desired outcome that he or she needs to get to and what they do today makes the difference in whether or not they're going to get to that desired outcome. And so coaching sections are just action-oriented, forward-thinking sessions about their well-being, about personal responsibility, about good communication, about boundaries, uh, just you know, so many different layers to it, but it's all focused on the achievement of desired outcomes. How would you bottom line therapy as far as that goes? I would say similarly that you should have an outcome, but it really is around your mental health and stability so that you can be stable enough to move forward. So you can, you, you can have a strong foundation, like have those roots, have that car running so you mm-hmm. can move forward. Because if you don't, then we're just stalling out on the side of the freeway and our tree is dead. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> That's a little extreme, but you know, it's not growing right. and blossoming the way that we want. Yeah, exactly. Well, what other thoughts do you have today on this subject? Anything that we haven't covered? I think this was a great conversation. I think that for me, something I just want everyone to know that it's okay to try different people out to see the right fit. And sometimes you might think you need coaching and then you find out you need therapy. Sometimes you need therapy, but or you try therapy and you actually need coaching. I would say really be open, be open to exploring different modalities of treatment, exploring different styles of therapists. Cause that's another thing. Just if you think of therapy alone, there's so many different, it's, it's very broad, <laughs> category of trained professionals that don't always agree on the same stuff. So, um, you know, it's just mental health in general. So nuanced, Mm. but you know, you might be going to the therapist, your insurance provided, and you're going to get like a DSM diagnosis and it's super clinical and you're in Mm. a stuffy box that smells like hand sanitizer. And (laughs) then you might go to a therapist that has crystals in her office and, and fuzzy blankets and is all about, you know, pick, pick your chakra 
candle for today. I mean, you don't know what you're going for. So it's important to just do your research and see what fits right for you and -hmm. give people trial and error, interview them. This is for you. Mm -hmm. And same thing goes for when you're looking for that coach, take the time. And obviously you're so perfect for your niche and you're very clear on who you serve. So that helps too, like finding people that are, are helping you exactly where you're at. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, if you're a woman going through divorce right now, like Annie's your girl, she's got you, um, (laughs) leaning on that. Right. And check it out. So I think that's just kind of being open, trying things out and don't judge yourself for whatever the outcome may be. Just go with it. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. This has been great. I think that there's a lot to be taken from this conversation today. And, and I I would just sum it up by saying, you know, a lot for me and my life therapy has been about stabilizing, um, you know, an unmanageable life or brain, you know, and then coaching has been, once I felt that stability, then I want to make progress now. So yeah, I guess the question that I that I propose to people listening here now is just if life feels stable, but you know you need to make progress, then you probably want to lean into coaching more. And if it's the other way around, you really want to make progress, but you just don't feel stable enough to do that, then you probably want to start with therapy and work on that angle of it at first, at least. And so that would be my my uh, two cents on that and my recommendation to anybody listening here today. I hope that listeners, you you have enjoyed this conversation and, and that you see that there are options out there for you to get the support that you need, whether that's categorized as therapy or coaching or whatever it is that that maybe you feel a little less intimidated to buy it all. And maybe you have a little bit more of a grasp today on, on what your next steps look like. We invite you to do that. Liz, do you treat people with therapy um, online? Do you do anything where people could reach out to you? How could they get a hold of you if they wanted to work with you? Yes. So I am licensed in Tennessee and California for traditional therapy. However, I do a lot of emotional therapeutic coaching where we kind of cross over a little bit in the two. Okay. Um, and, and I can still kind of help stabilize you as long as it's not a big safety risk um, yeah. virtually. And, um, you can check me out at my website at lizpasarin.com or check me out on Instagram at lizpasarin, reach out, send me a message. Even if you're not in any of those States and maybe you just want to find a therapist locally and you're in Ohio, shoot me a message and I can help you just find somebody in your local neighborhood, in your area. Um, I'm happy to do that. It's just because I, I want to make sure everybody finds the right person for them. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you again so much. It's been great. And listeners, thank you for joining us again this week for more help as you divorce and hope as you are starting over stronger. 